Thank you for listening to the Radiant Church Podcast. For more information, visit us at weareradiant.com. Well, we are a note-taking church. I want you to do me a favor, no matter what campus you're in, take out those notes that you got on your way in today. You are four times more likely to remember it if you write it down. So we love to take notes. We're not here to just inspire you. We're here to equip you to be all that God's called you to be. And over 10 years, it's been so fun to see because we have done sermon notes for 10 years straight. And we have seen incredible reports of people who go, I didn't need that message then, but two or three years later, I needed it. And I went back to my sermon notes and God gave me the tools to get through what I'm going through. So you will need today's message. I'm going to do something unique over the next three weeks. We normally are in series here at the church. So we'll take a a season to go through a series on a certain topic or a a book of the Bible or something that way. But over the next three weeks, I'm going to be giving three different messages that the Lord gave me during my sabbatical this last summer. I took my first official like break sabbatical during the summer, took 10 weeks off to celebrate 10 years as a church. And I spent a lot of time with the family, a lot of time in prayer. And I had three really um, major moments with the Lord where he spoke to me through his word and gave me a challenge through his word that um, I wrote it out and I said, these are words for Radiant Church and I wanna give them to you. And the first one today, I think is gonna build your faith and uh, share this message with somebody because I'm telling you it's gonna help them. And I'll be giving a couple more messages over the next three um, weeks that I think will help you. But today, if you have your notes, I want you to write it down. I'm gonna talk to you today with the subject when I don't know what to do. When I don't know what to do, how do we make decisions when we just simply don't know what to do? When the diagnosis is confusing, when the path is confusing, what do we do do to make decisions when we don't know what to do? I realize with decision-making, everybody normally is in one of two categories, and I wanna know at all of our campuses what category you would fall into. The first category is me. My decision-making process is incredibly fast. Like, where are my fast decision-makers? Come on, throw those hands up. Oh, I see, even the way you threw your hand up was super fast. That's me. Um, I'm telling you, I, I, if I go in and I have to pick out paint colors, it'll be one of the first two paint colors I see right there. It's just done. I can make the decision quick. The waiter comes to the table or the waitress, she says, are you ready? I said, I've been ready. Come on, I'm ready to order. <laughs> I, I'm, I, I'm a decision maker quickly. All right, now that means many times I don't make the best decision, I just make the fast decision. So you know who you are. So now we're gonna figure out who it's like my wife. Now my wife is absolutely opposite of me and that's why God put us together. But where are my slow decision makers? Come on, oh, did you see how they raised their hand at all of our campuses? It was like, okay, is it okay to raise my hand in this church? My wife, I love her to death. She takes so long to make a decision about anything. I mean, if we print out doing paint colors and I leave it to her, I mean, it's a month later and she's like, I'm just still tossing between two different ones. Like we'll go to a restaurant. It's five different times the waitress or waiter comes. It's like, hey, uh, are y'all ready to order? I'm like, well, I've been ready. She just can't make her mind up. So I've, I've learned a trick, by the way, if Katie and I are gonna go out to eat, um, I've sent her the, the menu hours in advance. I'm like, hey, for this marriage to be healthy, I need you to make up your mind before we get in the door. 
there's moments in time where you have to learn how to make the right decision. You gotta think of it when it comes to, are you gonna go to college or are you gonna go straight into a career? Big decision, you gotta figure out what you're gonna do. If you're gonna go to college, do you go to, do you go to USF? Do you go to UT? Do you go to Hillsborough Community? Do you go to Southeastern? Like, you gotta make a decision. Which one are you gonna go to? Now, we all know you just don't go to Bama. Come on, somebody, to God be the glory. Do you get married now or do you wait until you pay off a little bit of debt? Or do you buy a house or, or do you rent? Do you, do you have kids? Do you adopt? Do you, do you get a dog or, or do you get a cat? And let me just tell you, the Bible's very clear. You get a dog to God's be the glory. It's just what you do. It's just it's somewhere in the scriptures, I promise you. But what do we do when the obstacle or the issue in front of us is so confusing that we don't know what to do? I remember when Katie and I had our, had our first child and, and we thought we had known what to do with life. And then you have this little child and it's given to you. And I'm like looking at the doctor and I'm like, are you coming home with us to help us with this thing? We just didn't know what to do, which by the way, we've had five of them now and, uh, and we're not having any more. But uh, just it, 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 people are coming to us like, oh, you must be an expert. And the reality is we don't know what to do. We don't know what to do. I remember when we moved here in faith, Katie and I, we packed up everything, quit our jobs, moved here, moved in with my in-laws for a while in Lakeland. And I remember just in that moment, we were trying to build this church and we had no clue what to, what to do. It's just moments in life are gonna come to you where you don't know what to do. And I've been filled with lots of them. I mean, as the church has grown, I've had moments where I just go before the Lord and go, God, I don't know what to do. The funny thing about your church is that now our church has kind of gotten known around America. It's kind of crazy because now people will fly in almost every weekend. A church has flown in to be with us and kind of tour around and see what we're doing behind the scenes. And they're like, hey, what's the secret sauce? And that we're always like very honest. We're like, the reality is we don't know what to do. We don't know what to do. Like we're all out of this thing. We'd have no clue. I remember when the pandemic broke out and if you, you own a business or maybe you're in education and you remember looking at that situation going, God, I have no clue what to, what do we, what do, we do? What do we do? What, what do you do when the finances take a turn for the worse? What do you do when Washington is messing up everything that's going on in your life? What do you, what do, you do when the kids who you raised in the faith Walk away from it. What do you do when you don't know what to, when you don't know what to do? And that's our story today. I'm gonna to show you from God's word what to do when you don't know what to do. And it's gonna be a story about a guy who I've never preached on before, and I think it'll help you, and his name is Jehoshaphat. Jehoshaphat, so help me out at all of our locations, say Jehoshaphat. Oh man, very good. Yeah, Jehoshaphat is about a thousand years before Jesus comes. So we got about 3,000 years ago from right now, Jehoshaphat is in charge. And Israel, you know, God's chosen people, they come together, they become a nation, and then it doesn't last too long and they end up splitting in two. Israel and Judah. Judah follows the ways of the Lord, Israel doesn't. So Jehoshaphat is the fourth king over Judah, not over Israel. So he's the fourth king. Now here's a little um, lesser known fact. If you're ever on Who Wants to Be a Millionaire and they ask you this question, you get it right. Remember your pastor, hook, hook a brother up, right? It's that, it's that Jehoshaphat was the great, great, great grandson of the famous King David. So three greats right there. So we got to understand this guy's from a, a royal lineage. He's in charge of Judah. And we pick up in this story in 2 Chronicles chapter 17. I want you to see this. Verse three. 
the Lord was with Jehoshaphat because he followed the ways of his father, David, before him. Now we know that's not his father. We know it's his great, great, great grandfather. And it says, he did not consult the Baals, but sought the God of his father and followed his commands rather than the practice of Israel. The Lord established the kingdom under his control and all Judah brought gifts to Jehoshaphat so that he had great wealth and honor. His heart was devoted to the ways of the Lord. Furthermore, he removed the high places and the Asher poles from Judah. This is the introduction of our guy named Jehoshaphat. We learn that he honors God, he leads righteously, and now we will find out that because he honors God, he will never have a problem in his life. You don't know the Bible very well. Because the reality is, is that if you're ever gonna do anything significant for God, there's gonna be some obstacles that come your way. And it's not long after we're introduced to this guy who's living righteous, he's leading righteous, that he comes against an obstacle. Let's turn there, two chapters later, we're in chapter 20. After this, and it's not a long time, so it's shortly after he comes and starts reigning, the Moabites, the Ammonites, and some of the Minunites came to wage war against Jehoshaphat. Not only one are against them, there's a whole team against them. You ever feel tag teamed against right now? Like you feel like, man, it's just, it's, it's my finances, it's my mind, it's my emotions. It's everything is under attack right now. That's how Jehoshaphat had. They had this moment where he's doing what's right, but everything seems to be going wrong. And I just want you to hear this today because you've probably believed a lie that I want you to get that is so important. It's that living right doesn't exempt you from oppositions, it actually invites it. You've gotta understand this. If you're gonna do something great for God, you're gonna invite the enemy to oppose your life. So there are people talk about it, they're like, Aaron, I just don't understand, I got saved, and then I get baptized, and then all hell breaks loose in my life. You know why? It's because you became a threat. You became a threat. You were on the sidelines and nobody cared what you did with your life. You get on the front lines, you give your life to Christ and all of a sudden the enemy knows who you are and he's gonna come against your life. They used to preach it this way in the old school world. They go, it doesn't matter if people know your name, does the devil know your name? <laughs> like, uh, like when you walk in a room, do things like change because you're in the environment? And I just want you to know today, if you feel like you're under unusual opposition, it's not because of your past, it's because of the potential of your future. And I just wanna give some encouragement today. The enemy's after you like he's after, after Jehoshaphat because there's greatness in your life. That's why John says it this way, don't be surprised. We get so freaked out. Don't be surprised if, if the world hates you. You're like, man, everybody's against me. Yeah, because God's doing something big in your life. And the Bible goes on to say, some people came and told Jehoshaphat, a vast army is coming against you from Edom, from the east side of the Dead Sea. It's already in Hazion, Tamar, which is in Engedi. And what do we do? This whole army is coming against him. And I love this next verse. Look what it says. Alarmed. Alarmed. Now, if we were writing this in Christianese, you know what we do? We're like, Jehoshaphat, how do you feel about the army that's facing you? Blessed and highly favored. God's good. God is good all the time. And all the time, God is good. I love the vulnerability of Jehoshaphat in this moment that he is alarmed. Can I just encourage our church here today? All right, this is gonna help some people. Can we stop being the church that has to fake it that we got it all together? 
Like, let's be okay with the fact that there's some Sundays you can walk in and they go, how are you doing today? And you're like, alarmed. <laughs> like, it's not good. I'm kind of freaked out. The diagnosis isn't good. What's going on in my family is not good. What's happening in my finances is not good. You, it's okay to be alarmed. Here's my question. What are you doing with that, uh, that alarmed spirit that you have? With that frustration you have? with that issue that he had. And look what Jehoshaphat does. Alarmed, Jehoshaphat resolved to inquire of the Lord. And he proclaimed a fast for all of Judah. And the people of Judah came together to seek help from the Lord. Indeed, they came from every town in Judah to seek him. That's leadership right there, which by the way, it only takes one. It only takes one man or one woman who in the midst of a world that's alarmed and confused to say, you know what, we're gonna seek God together. We've got our eyes on every single thing else. We're gonna to go to God. It only takes one parent, one board member, one leader in the workplace to change everything around. That's what Jehoshaphat did. He calls a, a prayer meeting. And as he's praying, he says in verse 12, let's jump down to there. Look what it says. He says, our God, will you not judge them? Talking about the Ammonites, the Moabites. Like, will you not judge those enemies? For we have no power to face this army that is attacking us. You ever been there? You ever been in those moments where you feel like, Aaron, I just don't have the power to face it. I don't have the power to, to go into another marriage counseling. I don't have the power to deal with that child anymore. I don't have the power to see this business turn around. We're gonna have moments where we feel like, man, we just don't have the power. Good news, you don't have to rely on your power during that time. That's where we have the Holy Spirit with us. And he says it like this, and I love it. We don't have the power to face this army that is attacking us. And then he says our phrase, it's vital, ready? We do not know what to do. There it is. We are lost. We don't know what to do. But then he says this phrase, but my eyes are on you. He says this whole thing when, when the world is, is coming against him. He says, this is what you do when you don't know what to do. You get your eyes on God. I'm going to break it down into four points that I want you to get today. Here's the first one. Ready? When I don't know what to do, you got to look to God for victory. You got to look to God for victory. What you look at really matters. And when you're going through opposition, if you focus on your problem, you will always be defeated. But Jehoshaphat teaches us to get our eyes off of our problem and onto the one who can take care of whatever we're going through. So I wanna challenge you, when your life is going bad, get your eyes on God. When your family is struggling, get your eyes on God. When your business is failing, get your eyes on God. When your health is deteriorating, get your eyes on God. When you don't know what to do, look to him. Can I hear a good amen today, church? Gotta look to him. Because here's why, ready? Because you will be consumed by whatever you concentrate on. And if you're consumed with worry and fear and stress, it's because your concentration is on those things. But Jehoshaphat teaches us, when life is coming against you, get your focus on the one who can deliver you. And this is so important that we learn to do this. I don't know if you've ever been on a mission trip or traveled around the globe, but I used to be a missionary in South Asia for a few years. Um, and I remember I learned that driving around the world is not necessarily the same as driving in America. And we think that we have bad drivers in Florida, and we do. 
but it's nothing like some of the places I've been in, some developing countries around the world, Central, South America, some places in Asia and Africa. I mean, you get around the driving, it's a little crazy. Like there's no rules, there's no like lines on the road. I mean, you're sitting there and I remember sitting in the car like telling the driver, hey, there's a semi truck coming right after us right now. And it didn't help. Like I was filled with anxiety. You wanna help your prayer life? You go to one of these countries and you just drive in the car. It'll just increase your prayer life right there. And I, ha I had a decision to make years ago because I go multiple times a year to try to check out some of our projects around the world. And, and I was like, God, I'm, I'm losing so much of my joy being in this car. What do I do? And then we had this amazing moment of technology where it broke through and now you can stream any kind of show you want on your phone. It's amazing. So now here's what I do. When I'm traveling around the world, I'll get in the back seat. I'll put my seatbelt on, a nice little helmet on my head. And then I'll turn on The Office or Seinfeld. And I'm as happy as can be. I mean, the car's swerving around, going off right near cliffs. I have no clue what's going on because I've just changed my, my focus. And I'm enjoying the experience. I might die in the car, but I'm enjoying the experience right there. Let me just challenge you. This is what you need to do with your life right now. Some of you are so focused on your problem and God's saying, hey, change your perspective to the one who can solve it. Which is, by the way, this is what prayer is. Prayer repositions my focus from my problem to the problem solver. So if you're always focused on what's going wrong, you'll never focus on the one that's able to get it right. So you've gotta change your focus and go, I'm gonna pray. And when Jehoshaphat had this moment to say, man, they're all coming against me, his response was amazing. I'm freaked out, so I'm gonna pray. Which by the way, this is how I've determined how people are spiritually mature. Cause everybody's got this whole thing like, oh, they're mature because they know enough scriptures or they've been Christian long enough or, or they, they lead the most groups. Let me tell you, here's what spiritual maturity is. Spiritual maturity is measured by how quickly one goes from panic to prayer. How quickly do you turn to God when things are going wrong in your life? And my goal in life is to continue to develop spiritually to where that gap between panic and prayer continually gets closer and closer to eventually I can become like Jehoshaphat and I can go, I'm alarmed, but I'm going to the one that can fix it. Things are falling apart, but I'm going to the one that can answer it. I'm telling you, I'm going to God. That's why at Radiant Church, we wear these little bracelets all over. And you might've forgot about this but we wear these little bracelets and our radiant prayer strategy is to pray first. Oh, it's so crucial. I love these bracelets, by the way. They're great witnesses to people. I've met multiple people that started coming to our church going, I met someone in the airplane sitting next to me and they were wearing a praise first bracelet and they invited me to church. And what is it doing? It's showing us that before we do anything, we pray first. I, I love it. Like before you apply for that job, you pray yeah, and then before you go into the interview, you pray. Oh, very good. Before you ask that guy or girl out on a date, you're gonna pray. Oh, help me out at all of our campuses, guys and girls. Before you say yes to him or her, you're gonna pray. Very good, very good. Before you respond to that person that cuts you off in traffic, you're gonna pray. That's why I put it on the hand that holds the steering wheel right there. Cause I'm like, okay, I can't go to jail today. Come on, somebody. Before you respond to that message on social media or before you even post, you're gonna pray fair. First, you wanna learn live a life of victory, make prayer your first response, not your last resort. 
And it'll change your life when you learn to pray, pray first. And that's what Jehoshaphat did. He made a point, we're gonna seek God, which by the way, this is why we're doing this whole week. That's why we're consecrating our church and we're telling our church this entire week, we're gonna make it a week to go after God. Because some of y'all have gotten disconnected. Some of y'all have gotten disconnected from his presence. You've gotten your agendas all messed up. We normally do this week in August, but because it's our 10 year anniversary, we're doing it in September. We got five nights of services. Change your, your agenda, change your plans, show up and engage in worship and watch how God's gonna change your life. Because you're like, well, my life is falling apart. They're gonna go, you're going to church again this week? Yeah, I'm gonna keep seeking God. Because when I don't know what to do, I'm putting my eyes on him. He's the one that can solve what I'm going through. So Jehoshaphat makes a crucial decision to look to God for victory. Let's go to the second one. Look at this passage. He says, and then he said, listen, King Jehoshaphat. So now they're speaking back. What is God saying to him? He says, King Jehoshaphat and all who live in Judah and Jerusalem, this is what the Lord says to you. Do not be afraid or discouraged because of this vast army. Don't you hate it when God says that? Just don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. You know why he says don't be afraid? Because he knows the end result. And if you knew the end that he's always gonna bring you to victory, you wouldn't walk in fear either. He says, don't be afraid for this vast army for the battle is not yours, but it is what? It's God's, it's God. Here's the second thing you do. When you don't know what to do, you're gonna listen for a word from God. Because God has a word to speak into your situation. And he wants to speak. And what does he say to him? He says, listen, this isn't your battle. God's got this. And boy, I'm telling you, one word from God can change your entire circumstance. When I'm going through the worst seasons of my life, it's that one word of encouragement, that one challenge from God changes my life. And that's why we gotta be a people that lean in to going, God, what are you saying in the midst of my hard time? Because I, I know what you're feeling. I know what your friends think about it. I know what your parents think about it. What is God saying about your situation? And I love what Hebrews says. Hebrews says in the past, God spoke through our ancestors through the prophets in many and various ways. God speaks in different ways. I wrote down a few of them just in case you don't understand how God speaks. Let me tell you, God primarily speaks through, here's the first one, through his word. And if you want a word from God, people are always like, I need a word from God. I'm like, there's a lot of them in here. Get into God's word. This is why we preach God's word every single Sunday because God's word speaks to us. If you're like me, we're going through the Bible in a year. We're doing it chronologically this year. We're now in the book of Daniel. And it's amazing how you get in God's word every single day and he speaks to you. He's got a word for your life. So he's speaking to you through his word. He also speaks through circumstances. So sometimes he shuts doors and he opens doors for you. We talked about this in our last series. And how many, many times the circumstances you're in are God's way of speaking to you. Another way God speaks is through people. So it's not just you and your Bible by yourself. This is why we need the community of believers. That's why you need a group. That's why you need to show up to church. Because once in a while, God will speak through some people. That's why we have preaching every single night during Radio Revival. Because you're going to get a word from God. And it changes your life. I tell people all the time, the voice of the Holy Spirit many times sounds just like my wife. <laughs> And all the women say, amen, yeah. I'm telling you, God will speak through them. He will. Here's another one. God will speak through dreams and visions. You ever wake up and have that moment where you're just like, that was an unbelievable dream. Like, I can remember it. That might be God speaking to you through something. And I'm telling you, some of my craziest ideas and sermon ideas came through dreams or visions. God also speaks through images and impressions. Like it's just an idea comes to your mind. And you go, well, how do you know it was God? I know it was God because I couldn't have thought of that myself. 
Some of our craziest church ideas have come through just an impression, an idea came to my mind. And then lastly, God speaks through still, small voice. And he whispers. And you know why God whispers? He whispers because he wants you to get close. He wants to get you to get close. And as you draw near to him, he draws near to you and he speaks to you. And people go, what does it sound like? It's louder than an audible voice. It's internal. God's speaking to his people. He's got a word for your season. Here's the challenge whenever you get that word. Ready? It's that faith is the decision to trust God, what God says despite what you see. In every situation you're going through in life, you're gonna to have to make a decision. Do I trust what God says or do I trust what I see? Because when, when I see is different than what God says, that's where faith is involved. And I have to keep trusting God. And that's what Je- uh, Jehoshaphat does. God says, the battle's not yours, it's mine. I'm gonna take this. And he has to make a decision. Okay, that's what God's speaking over my situation. I wanna encourage some parents who've been praying for their children who are far from God. The Bible's very clear. You raise them in the Lord, they will return. When people say, well, what are you, what are you gonna do? during this? I don't know what to do, but I'm gonna trust what God said. I'm gonna trust what God said. Your finances are a wreck right now and you keep giving. You go, I just don't know. What, like, why are you doing it? I'm telling you because I trust that God says give and it'll be given to you. I'm gonna trust what God says. I'm gonna keep leaning in faith. It's an act of faith. Let's go to the next part. We're almost done. Ready? Look at verse 16. So now he gets into the practical side. What do you do when you don't know what to do? Verse 16, tomorrow, march down against them. Now I would pause right there and have an argument with God. Whoa, 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 whoa. You just told me the battle's yours. (laughs) And now you want me to march. And here's what I've learned about God is that when God wants to do anything great in the world today, he does it through his people. So can I just encourage the people? Because you're complaining about your crazy neighbor and you're going, God, please save that person. And God's like, that's why I put you next to them. (laughs) Maybe, just maybe, you're the solution to the brokenness that's in the world today. That God wants to use your life. So tomorrow, march down against them. And look what it says. And they'll be climbing up to the pass of Ziz, and you will find it them at the edge of the gorge of the desert of Jerel. And you will not have to fight this battle. All right, good news again. Take your positions, stand firm, and see the deliverance give you, Judah and Jerusalem. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. Go out and face them tomorrow. Wait, wait, wait. I'm facing them. I'm not supposed to fight. I'm supposed to be there. What am I supposed to do? For the Lord will be with you. Here's what you do. When you don't know what to do, number three, you stand for what is right. He says, here's what you do. You don't know how to fight it. You don't know how to overcome that enemy. That's okay. All I need you to do is show up and and stand there. What would happen if a church would decide that as the world is bowing, we will just show up and stand up for what is right? When culture is constantly trying to take over this next generation and all those on TikTok are just deconstructing and everybody's confused about marriage and, I, and, and gender and, and they're confused about God and they're confused about what, what's right and what's wrong. What would happen if a people decided, well, you know what we're gonna do? We're not gonna give over the territory. We're gonna show up and we're gonna stand up for what is right in a world that is so wrong. 
And I wanna challenge our church, and I know it's a unique Sunday because we have so many guests, but let me just make it very clear. This is a church that will not bow to what culture says about the things of God and the things of the scriptures and the things of God's word, but we are gonna show up and we are gonna stand up for what is right. Joshua says it this way, but if serving the Lord seems undesirable for you, then choose this day whom you're gonna serve. He, then he goes into the details. Listen, you wanna serve the ancestors, of, uh, uh, those that live beyond the Euphrates or the gods of the Amorites? That's fine. Let me make it very practical. You, you, want, you, want to, you want to serve the things of this world and materialism and, and the godless ideologies that are out there? You go do that and see how it works out for you. But then he makes this declaration. But as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. Can I be your pastor for just a second? I've been doing this 10 years. I can, I can say it now. As for me in this house, I, I don't care what the world is going to do. I don't care what they say about marriage or family or the unborn or all those things. But as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. We are going to stand for righteousness. We're going to stand for what God says. We're going to stand for what God says about loving the poor and helping the unborn. We're going to care, care for what God says about marriage and gender and how we treat each other. We are going to be a church that stands on God's word. Can I hear a better amen today, church? And it's not just a shouting point, it's a challenge for you to start to stand. Because when we don't stand for something, we will fall for anything. And that's what we have in our world today. We have a group of people that are falling for the craziest, bizarre, deconstructing ideas out there. And you know why? It's because it's a whole generation raised them up to not stand for what's right. That's why we're doing foundations. That's why we have foundations for kids also. Because we're gonna teach a generation what's God's word. I love this. I love how Paul says it. I'm almost done, I promise you. Paul says it this way. Be on your guard. Stand firm in the faith. Be courageous, be strong. And by the way, do everything in. So don't just stand, but stand and be nice. Can we be that people? Can we be people that stand on what's right and be nice at the same time? Because how you stand matters. Can I hear a better amen today, church? Here's the last one. Y'all still with me? Say yes. What do we do when we don't know what to do? Here's what we do. We, we turn our eyes to him. We, we listen to what he's gonna say. We stand on what we know is right. And then number three, look at this last one. And after consulting the people, Jehoshaphat appointed men to sing to the Lord and praise him for the splendor of his holiness. Whoa, 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 whoa. this is in the wrong place. Shouldn't this be after they've won the victory? But Jehoshaphat says, no, we don't worship after we won the victory. We worship before we see the victory because we worship and look at it for the splendor of his holiness. And they went out in the head of the army saying, give thanks to the Lord for his love endures forever. Even before you see the result, we're gonna worship. Here's number four and worship teams can come in every campus, ready? The what do you do when you don't know what to do? You worship in the middle of the war. Cause there's gonna be moments that it seems overwhelming and you don't know what to do and how to handle it. And here's what you do, you get your eyes on him and you learn to worship in the middle of that war. Because our worship to God isn't contingent on what he does, but on who he is. And can I just remind you at all nine of our campuses today that our God is good and he is worthy of all of our praise. 
and all of our attention. And I'm telling you, if he does no other miracles for you, the miracle of salvation was enough for him to be worshiped for the rest of our lives. Can we give him a little bit of praise? He's a God that's worth worshiping. And you know what happens as they worship? You know, we think of worship as a waste, or many times we think of worship as a prep for actually we're here for the message. (laughs) And you've missed it. Worship is not something we do. It's the most important thing we do. Because it's actually why you were created. And as, look at this. I have to show this. This is so crazy. As they began to sing in praise, the Lord set ambushes against the men of Ammon and Moab and Mount Seir who were invading Judah, and they were defeated. As they were worshiping, God went to war for them. You want to see victory in your life? Learn how to worship in the middle of your war. And when you worship in the middle of your war, now you stop fighting and you release control to God and God goes to war for you. And by the way, God can deal with whatever you're going through. And I love this because you have to realize this about worship. It's that our greatest weapon won't be our works. Won't be something we do, it'll be our worship. And you gotta have those moments where you're able to just go to God and go, I I don't know what to do, but I can worship him. And I'll tell you, I've seen it time and time and time again. That when I worship, God works. And he went out and he defeated the enemies as they brought their worship to him. What if we just took a moment today and we changed the environment of whatever room you're in today to just have an environment of saying, you know what? We're not gonna work on finding victory in this area right now. We're just gonna worship. And as we worship, we can see how God will bring us the victory in our life. Why don't we do this? So nobody moving around, why don't we stand at all of our campuses right now? I think it'd be good to practice this message. We're just gonna take about a minute But I'll tell you, something supernatural happens when you make the intentional decision to worship in the middle of your war. And I I know our tendency, our tendency is to take it in our own own hands, but I'm telling you, worship's powerful. I remember I was thinking back, now that we're 10 years old as a church, I was thinking back at some of the, the highs and the real lows. And one of the lowest points of our church was about three years in. We had been undergoing some construction here at South Tampa. We just acquired the lease. We were just launched our second campus there in downtown and things were tough. Our finances were a wreck. I mean, it was tough because we were trying to pay for all these renovations and, and it was a struggle that I remember we were trying to like, we were way behind. And so I was dealing with that stress. Then we had a pastor on our staff who his wife had twins. Um, she goes into labor on a Sunday and loses one of the babies that week. Devastating. So that next week I'm, I'm set to, to lead the funeral and, and I show up to the funeral and there's just a white little box. Oh, it's the worst thing, the worst thing. And you see this like white little box where this baby's at and I'm sitting in the parking lot, just so sad, so overwhelmed. And then Pastor Bobby, he oversees all of our locations. He's at our West St. Pete campus today. And uh, he calls me and he says, Aaron, I know you're about to go in a to a funeral, but I just want you to know the fire marshal just walked through, they shut us down. We can't have services at South Tampa. It's gonna be a long time. And I remember just, it was, it was again, I feel like Jehoshaphat. It was like armies from every side. And I remember the pressure being so massive. What do you do when you don't know what to do? And I just had this moment, I had about five minutes before I had to get out of my car and I go, I gotta turn my panic into prayer. I gotta turn my worry 
into worship. And what I've realized is when worry is high, it's usually because worship is low. So the solution for all of that is to take a moment and just switch it around and get your worship high. And you'll see your worry low. And I had that moment in that car, it was only about five minutes, but I know the spirit of God was in there and I turned on some worship music. And I just started worshiping. And I'm telling you, as the, as the worship started getting higher, the worry started getting lower. And I knew the obstacles were still there, but God is for me. And as I was worshiping, God's working. And I'm telling you, I don't know what you're going through today, but I'm telling you, we have a God that as we submit our needs to him, as we worship him, he'll work on our behalf. So why don't we do this across our campuses? Why don't we turn this in just for a minute into an atmosphere of worship? Come on, worship team. We're gonna have a moment right now and we're gonna open up our hearts to him. Come on, if you feel comfortable, throw the hand up to heaven right now. Come on, make a decision. I choose to worship in the middle of my war, God. right now. I pray for those who are up against a major obstacle and they don't know what to do. When we don't know what to do, our eyes are on you. We will listen to your word. Lord, we will stand for what's right. And we're going to worship even in the middle of the war because we know you're going to fight for us. And we thank you for that. We love you for that. In Jesus' name. Just with your eyes closed, there's one last group before we close it out. So those who don't have a relationship with Christ, you're far away from God, you're disconnected. I'm telling you, that's because of sin. Sin separates us from God, but that's why Jesus came. Jesus came so that we could have restored relationship with God. And what do we do about our sin? Well, we can't work it out ourselves. We can't, we can't give enough. No, the only thing we have to do is we have to surrender our life to the one who already paid for our sin on the cross. That's what Jesus did. He was sinless, went to that cross, died for you and died for me, but he didn't stay dead. He rose again three days later and now, now the choice is ours. Will we submit our life to him? And I'm telling you, when you do it, everything will change in your life. The Bible says you become born again. You get a fresh start. And that's you today. If you're here today and the Holy Spirit's tugging on your heart, this is your day to surrender. It's your day to go all in. I want you to get, get right with God. This is your moment. And if that's you on the count of three, throw that hand up and I believe God will meet you right there in your seat. One, come on to every campus, be bold. Two, if that's you, come on, throw that hand up. Three, right now, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you dozens in here. I know at all of our campuses. Come on, throw it up, wave it at me, put it right back down. Why don't we do this? Why don't we all pray this out loud before our location pastors come. Say, dear Jesus, come on, say it loud. Dear Jesus, today I give you my life. I give you my sin. 
I give you my past. Forgive me. Give me a fresh start for the rest of my life. I'm going to follow you. Be my Lord and be my Savior. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody that believes it says, come on, let's celebrate those who just made the best decision ever. Thank you for listening to the Radiant Church Podcast. For service times or giving options, visit us at weareradiant.com.